0: So send your questions to AskLisa at DrLisaDemore.com. Episode 53, should I comment on my child's weight? What does it say about me psychologically that I'm that mom who puts out the decorations like a month early? Like (laughs) we have like eight pumpkins. I, I put a scary witch hanging from my neighbor's tree that my husband said, they're not going to like that. Why are you doing that? That's not even your tree. <laughs> I do love Halloween.
1: I love it. I love Halloween. And my kids love Halloween. It's like it's such a great holiday in so many ways. There's no question about it. It is, but I always have this issue of when do I dump the candy and hide it? Now they're
0: at that age where they know how much candy they have, so I can't. And and you can't take it to work anymore because you're working from home. I used to Exactly. exactly. We um we thought this might be a good week to sort of talk about kids and weight. And we got this letter, Lisa, that says, "Dear Dr. Lisa, I have an 11 year old daughter, and one of the hardest issues we've had to face has to do with her relationship with food. She's eaten more than ever. She's already overweight, and I find myself in a difficult situation. If I say something about it, she gets even more anxious or frustrated and eats even more. On the other hand, if I do not say anything about it." I feel I'm not helping her. I know she's not happy about her body, although she never says anything about it, but that's not my main worry. I just want her to have a good relationship with food. Do you have any words that might help me deal with this situation? Thank you so much. We've had conversations about food, but what do you think in this instance this mom should do, Lisa?
1: It's so delicate, and I am so appreciative of this letter and how... Thoughtfully, it lays out the dilemma, this mom feels, of worrying about her daughter's weight, both from, I wonder, maybe a health perspective. She, she uses the term overweight, which raises a question about whether there's a health question at work here, and also worrying about it from the perspective of how her daughter feels about herself, and yet knowing that if she brings it up, it doesn't go well, and not wanting to hurt her daughter or hurt her daughter's feelings, and yet feeling remiss in not saying something and and it's just it's a it's an incredible dilemma that this parent is bringing to us and um and i think one that a lot of parents feel it's 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 certainly common how should this mom start this conversation without isolating her daughter this question about how to walk up to it how to actually approach it becomes very tricky so let's take several steps back and and think about this from a few different perspectives so one has to do with what it means to be of a healthy weight. And the reality is that what constitutes a healthy weight is very different from what the culture says you're supposed to look like, especially if you're a girl. And and there's very much an important and powerful movement to acknowledge that people can be healthy at weights that are not typically regarded as slim or you know culturally approved and celebrated and so one of the challenges here is disentangling health from cultural standards and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so on that line what i would want the parent to do would be probably to confer with a pediatrician about whether or not what this mom is calling overweight is really a medical concern or more of an appearance, you know, cultural sanctioning concern? Because those are two Mm -hmm. very different things. And when I have talked with my colleagues in the eating disorder world, their take on this is they do fully support the sort of healthy at every weight view of things to a limit. And then they will say, but then they, there are weights that people can get to where health does start to become a problem. And so it's, it's, a, it's a delicate dance between acknowledging that you don't have to be slim to be healthy, which is so powerfully the messaging that is all around us, and yet at the same time, there are limits on how much weight a person can carry and not be potentially running into health consequences as a result. So that's a place where I'd want the parent maybe to tease this apart with a physician by calling and saying, here's where things are. Do I need to be worried from a medical perspective?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: How do you talk to a child
0: about weight? You know, it's so tricky, right? So how exactly do you have that conversation about your relationship with
1: food? It is tricky. And I would say let's take it as an advantage in this. It's also a constant. right? It's in front of mm-hmm. us all the time. We are eating all day. We are eating together, hopefully, um, at parts in the day. They're watching us eat. We're watching them eat and fundamentally you know this 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 parent says this in the letter like I want her to have a healthy relationship with food you know we want food to be a source of pleasure a source of joy you know there's not a lot of constantly renewable joys in life food is yeah, on the yeah. on that very short list yeah so part of how we go about it comes from this world of intuitive eating which I think is really smart which is to really um frame eating as something we do In response to cues we're getting from our own body, that our body Mm -hmm. tells us when we're Mm -hmm. hungry, our body tells us what we might want, and that we want to tune into that. And our body also tells us when we're satisfied. And so one of the ways to drive the conversation there is to... Not restrict food groups, to not yeah. focus on portion size, to never talk about calories, mm-hmm. because that then starts to have the conversation dictated by external forces that people are or kids start to watch and pay attention to. When what we really want is kids tuning into what am I hungry? Am I hungry? What am I hungry for? Now that I've eaten, am I still hungry? Mm-hmm. And that's how we want to frame it. So a way to do that might be if your child is reaching for that second or third piece of cake to maybe say, are you still hungry? And asking, you know, is that what this is? Are you still hungry? Oh, interesting. And then maybe, you know, without saying, well, you can't have all those sweets, don't have all that sugar because yeah, you want to be cautious yeah. about how much you restrict or regulate that, um saying You know, I'm wondering if you actually could use something that had a little more heft to it, had more Mm. nutrition in it, and if that might help you feel more satisfied. So do it from the perspective of health and nutrition and satisfaction, not from the standpoint of don't, don't, don't. It's more about what you do get to have and what your body needs to be healthy as opposed to what you're not allowed to have.
0: So – when you've got a season like Halloween, Christmas, where you know the sweets just keep coming and coming, how do you deal with that?
1: Well, so what do you do? This, I think this is a family – every family has this dilemma, right? And, yeah. and so first of all, the kids come home. Do your kids sort the candy? When
0: oh, they bring yeah. It okay, so what does, does that does look
1: like? like? So how do, what does the sorting process – because I think that plays into how we answer this question. Uh, well, you know, all the good stuff is put in one area. You okay, know, what they, makes it good? Reese's,
0: peanut butter cups, Snickers bars, Kit Kats, you know, that, those good chocolates, chocolate. you know. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And then, you know, sometimes you get the one off the neighborhood person who put the gift bag, you know, the little baggies together with the special, you know, everything wow. is sorted out. And then the parents get like the milk duds, the ones that you, even a parent doesn't really want to eat.
1: Well, so right, those are the categories of like the, the stuff your kid really likes and wants, which in my family is also the chocolate stuff. Then there's the stuff that gets pushed to the side. So that tends in my universe to be like Starbursts, Jolly Ranchers, oh, sweet tarts. Wow. Like those like my kids don't like those very really? much. Really? That's prime candy in my household. Oh yeah? Your kids yeah. like those things? Okay. Oh, so, yeah. so that's in their main category. Then there's the stuff that the parents can have. Mm-hmm. The kids don't care. Then there's the stuff we take. Okay, so what do you take from your kids' candy? Like what are you waiting for? On Halloween.
0: Uh, The Reese's peanut butter cups and the Snickers, for sure. Those are yours. Okay. The lollipops. They love the lollipops. I want nothing to do with that. But yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't know. It's Butterfingers. For me, it's all about the Butterfingers. Yeah. And I don't Uh. buy them any other time, but I love them. (laughs) And so on Halloween, like my kids know, like that's just like the price (laughs) of doing business is that they have to turn over their Butterfingers. (sighs) Okay. So you end up then with a whole lot of candy. And most kids have some candy that they're just like, I don't care, you know. So mm-hmm. that used to be the take-to-work candy, yes. <laughs> like yes. said. Um, or the giveaway, or the, you know, some people yeah. just trash it. Um, yeah. But then they have all this candy. So then what do you do with all this candy, Rena? How have you regulated this or managed this in your own home?
0: So it goes into place, and we decide, okay, you can have a couple of pieces over the next week, but then let's do you know i think now they're at an older age you know where they're almost done with elementary school and so i think they're more aware but i, I this will be a different year to approach it to have a conversation with them to be like okay what should we do we're not going to be eating candy for a month so what do you guys think is an appropriate way to handle it and then we can donate so it's we're not just you know sugared up for the next 6 months
1: okay so your your plan is to um say to them all right now we've got like a ridiculous amount of candy and we're gonna do something to keep it from being a constant as yeah. is. okay. so and that seems to me if if they are open to that and that feels comfortable for you and comfortable for them and it's working, I think that's fantastic. Um we have a sweets box, actually mm, in our pantry. Really? Yeah, it's just a you know, a container where I keep whatever sweets I've purchased. and we'll probably dump what's left in the sweets box. Because my kids happen to regulate themselves pretty well, it's not something I feel. They're pretty intuitive, I guess I would say. I don't know exactly how that came to be, but I don't worry that if the sweets are there, they're going to eat them all at once. Mm -hmm. Um, But I know some parents do. And I wonder if this parent who's writing us might worry about that. What should we think about, though? I mean, we all, everyone has their own way of dealing with it. What really
0: matters when you're trying to establish a healthy relationship with food?
1: Well, so the intuitive piece for sure, right, of um, of letting one's body tell you what it is you want and need and, and including within that a wide range of nutrition in the name of taking good care of oneself, you know, which is something we talk about all the time, taking good care of oneself. And if you're eating nothing but sweets, you're not taking good care of yourself. If you are um, not letting yourself have any foods that you find delightful and enjoyable, you're not taking good care of yourself. You know, so I think that we want to always frame it in that way. I do think that what we really want to focus on here, Rena, if there's one thing that is so central in these questions, is to not get into a power struggle about mm. the food. Okay. That, to me, is top, top here. What do you mean about power struggles? Like, no, you can't have that. Stop. Well, so I've thought for a long time about like various power struggles that come up in parenting. And there are four areas, Rena, where the kid has all the power. And wow. if you get into a power struggle with your kid, it will go very badly. So one is toileting, actually. Your kid has all the power, and those it's very ripe for um, parent power struggles. Another is sleep. You can't make a kid sleep. If they don't want to sleep, they can usually keep themselves up. A third is food. And then the fourth is actually um, homework and grades. Kids have all the power there too, and, and it's very hard to make them do things they don't want to do. No one's ever put it to me like that. It's amazing. Yeah, no. So, so focusing on the idea of food and power struggles. So one thing I've seen parents do sometimes when they're worried about a kid's weight and, you know, not wanting their kid to eat sweets or treats or things like that is that the parent takes them all out of the house. The parent okay. stops yes. purchasing them or, you know, lets them have a couple of pieces of candy um, at Halloween and then the rest is gone. And this is is not something I've seen go well. And and what I think about here is a teenager I cared for where um, her parent did this. Her parent wanted her to slim down and um, decided that she would just not have any processed foods in the house at all. And this was a teenager who would then drive to a convenience store and get whatever she wanted, um, none of it approved by the parent, and um, eat it and then just throw the wrappers away at school. And so, wow. um, and it was interesting. This was a, a teenager who was in my practice who felt really ambivalent about doing this, mm-hmm. um, didn't feel good about doing it, but didn't want to feel so totally controlled by her mom. Mm-hmm. And so she did it anyway. So mm-hmm. we need to be aware that um, if you get into a power struggle with your kid around food, it can take a direction that you truly do not mean for it to take. So the guidance that we tend to fall back on here is that guidance around a young person's responsibility to take good care of themselves and the parents' you know, role as backing that up. And so that means tuning into their body and what their body wants and needs. And that means eating a wide variety of things. And so from that framing, it becomes a dilemma between the young person and themselves, not between the parent and the kid.
0: We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back on the Ask Lisa podcast. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. And they're getting the concept of what it means to save. I love the lessons they're learning. I love the games they're playing. I love that they are being educated at a younger age, that you need to learn how to save. Sign up for the Greenlight app today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash asklisa. That's greenlight.com slash asklisa to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash asklisa.
1: slash ask Lisa. EarthBreeze EcoSheets look just like a dryer sheet, but instead of being a dryer sheet, they're in fact an ultra concentrated liquidless laundry detergent. It's really the best of all worlds. EarthBreeze is tough on stains and odors while being kind to the planet and to your skin. Personally, I get a huge kick out of using EarthBreeze. I love the fact that it takes up less space, is better for the environment, And yet it leaves my clothes smelling so good and it gets them so clean. Here's the bottom line. Making a positive impact in the world doesn't have to come at a cost to you. My clothes are clean, they smell great, and I feel like I actually did something good, not just for my laundry, but also for the earth. Right now, my listeners can receive 40% off EarthBreeze just by going to earthbreeze.com slash asklisa. That's earthbreeze.com slash Lisa to cut out single-use plastic in your laundry room and claim 40% off your subscription. earthbreeze.com slash asklisa. Welcome back to the Ask Lisa podcast. So Lisa,
0: what do you do if you're a parent who you know may have a complicated relationship with food or weight? Maybe you have an eating disorder, maybe you're dieting all the time, maybe you're overweight. It's harder then, right, to have that conversation.
1: It's really hard. It's really hard. And, Rena, let's be honest. Do you think there are any women living in the U.S. who do not have, at some level, a complicated yeah. relationship with food and weight? Very good point. Very good point. I agree. I, I, I just, I, I don't know that you can live in this culture yeah, and not struggle with that. Not, um, even if in your actions, you feel good about how you live, you know, that you're good on intuitive eating and you feel yeah. comfortable with your body and you like your body um, and you don't measure your worth yeah. <laughs> by the scale. Yeah. Even if um, one has gotten to that place and has been able to achieve that, it's impossible for me to believe. I mean, I, I want that woman to be out there, That um, that that's not still somehow done with effort, you know, done mm-hmm. against a backdrop of, of a world that has, especially for women, you know, but certainly men and boys are not immune to this, sent such incredibly powerful messaging around um, how much we are valued for our shape, vastly more than from what's inside that shape. Mm. So let's start with the idea that probably everyone has had to work out this relationship, And people may be in different places in working out this relationship. And we're parenting as we go. So what I will say is I'm so glad you're asking this question because how we're dealing with this in our own lives is not at all separate from how we are dealing with this as parents, especially because, you know, our kids watch us so closely, whether we think they are or not. Serena, when it comes to dessert for you, and either at... Your own table, or if you're out, how do you navigate that? Like, how have you, how do you do this in front of your kids as a mom and as a woman? You know, it's not just
0: dessert. I find that whenever there's like a big moment, or, you know, we scored two touchdowns at a Sunday morning football game, I, let's go out for ice cream. Let's, I'm constantly finding that the reward system is food, particularly in this pandemic, because there's not so much we can do, right? Go places or whatever. So, um, I find myself trying to figure out other reward systems, so it's not just food. But with the kids, I try to have a conversation with them, and um, as they always say, "Oh, this is Miss Lisa's words, right? This is Miss Lisa. <laughs> Miss Lisa says there are sometimes foods and everyday foods, and um, I think that this we can have a sometimes food today. So it's it's getting in there, Lisa. Your your words <laughs> have impact in my household." <laughs>
1: So you're talking about it, right? You're We're having an open about conversation. It. Yeah. And I'll say, I did this the other day. I, um, I got really, really busy in meetings and ended up in those sort of back-to-back situations where I couldn't really eat in any mm-hmm. way that I wanted to and then um, wanted nothing but sugar. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. ate a huge amount of sugar just because I, I just was craving it, and I think I wanted you know that sense of fast energy because I just had had a kind of a lousy day of access to food that I really would have found much more sustaining. And I um, and then I kept, felt kind of sick actually yeah. <laughs> from how I had gone about it. And I I wasn't deliberately using it as an object lesson, but I did actually talk that through with my daughters that night, I was like, oh, I had the worst food day. I was like, I was unable to get to good food all day. I just didn't figure it out. I didn't plan well. And then as soon as I could eat, I just, all I ate was like, you know, sugary, fast, energy food. <laughs> and now I feel really gross. And I, and, and I just said that, and they know how we live around, we have sweets, they have access to sweets, they don't have unlimited access. Like when the sweets box is empty, it's empty till I decide to go to the grocery <laughs> store and put more stuff in it. But that felt to me like a place where I could just talk about the way in which food works in our life and the way in which I got myself into a position around food that I didn't want to be in, and but also treated it as like, it was a, it was a weird day, and mm-hmm. tomorrow I will be able to do better planning and eat in more sustainable ways. Mm-hmm. The other thing I think we can do, even as we're wrestling with our own relationship with food and weight and appearance um, as members of this culture— Another thing that really helps is to move away from the idea of what you can't have and to really focus on what should center in one's diet. And you mentioned my old thing that I stole from Sesame Street about sometimes food and anytime food, which mm-hmm. I just I think is a really nice way to frame it in terms of sometimes food being processed foods, anytime food being unprocessed whole foods that kids can, you know, comfortably access and know that they're really having um, having taken, you know, that they're really making choices that will take good care of their bodies. Another thing that I have taught my daughters along the way is for their meals, what they really want to focus on is getting protein, fiber, and healthy fat in those oh, meals. Okay, and, and we talk about it from energy sustainability, that those are the things that the body breaks down that will give them a good, solid, steady energy and then we talk about what makes those things up you know so you know what the various proteins are those are pretty clear to kids fiber you know this is going to be breads grains nutrition you know nutrients like that and and fruits and vegetables and then healthy fats so avocados olive oils um nuts and 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 that that you know kind of triad is a very um nutritious triad. It's a great energy triad. And I like talking about food in terms of energy and having good energy. And then if their meals are centered on protein, fiber, and healthy fats, it makes it a lot easier than for them to not do what I did the other day of just craving and eating a whole bunch of sweets because I am so depleted from an energy standpoint. So I think it's this ongoing conversation. And our Our um, north stars in that conversation are self-care and energy and intuitive eating and paying attention to what one's body is asking for and really not having it be about appearance and weight and scales and Mm. value being tied up in how we look. That's great because I
0: I go back to what this mom was asking, which you you just beautifully answered, which is I just want her to have a good relationship with food which is, you're right, we've got to have these
1: conversations about what healthy eating looks like and why it's important. That's right. And and, and I think that's the magic word is health, right? This isn't mm-hmm. about appearance. This isn't about weight. This isn't about diet. This is about health. And our job all the time for ourselves and our kids is to be talking about food under that umbrella. That it is what keeps us healthy. It is what gives us energy. It is a source of pleasure. It should be enjoyable. And if we focus on those things, and then also focus on being active as a family, doing physical things as a family, um, being you know busy in ways that our kids enjoy. You know, going on walks, going on bike rides. You know, playing games as a family. If that's something that parents like to do if they like to play tennis if they like to kick a soccer ball around to have physical activity be also a pleasurable thing that we do in the name of health in the name of enjoying you know what our bodies can do and also having fun with other people if we center on that things tend to go much better it's really great i mean it's a lifelong skill to learn
0: that i feel you're constantly trying to understand and deal with so thank you for that lisa Absolutely. We should also mention we've got a couple of episodes, Lisa, that are worth going back to to
1: listen, right? Absolutely. So today we talked about a child who may be tipping towards eating more than the parent feels comfortable with. In episode 11, we talked about eating disorder behavior in the traditional sense of people who may be restricting what they're eating, not eating enough, or um, doing things to get rid of calories they've consumed, such as vomiting or excessively exercising. For any child who's worried about an eating disorder and the presence of what we traditionally call an eating disorder, episode 11 may be helpful. And also, wasn't episode 4 that we talked about foods? We did. You know, that was very early in the pandemic, and it was very much around how weird— Those early days of the pandemic were of just all of us being stuck at home and having nothing to do that felt good at all and the place that food was starting to take in our lives. But that a lot of that may still very much hold up now, Mm -hmm. though happily, the day-to-day of the pandemic feels very different now than it did um, when we were talking about that in September last year. How things have changed in a year,
0: huh? Uh, And And, some things are still the same. (laughs) But uh, tell us, Lisa, what do you have for us
1: for parenting to go? One thing we know that helps kids to have a healthy relationship with food is to enjoy making food. And part of how we can build a healthy relationship with food is to have our kids cook with us, have them choose what they want to cook, um, make it possible for them to use our kitchens to cook and support them as they do it. So that's something that parents can fall back on at any age as they're parenting, whether it's with little kids involving them with cooking or with older kids putting them in charge of making meals and giving them some general parameters around what needs to happen and then letting them do their thing. Kids um, often take great pleasure in making food and then eating the food they've made. It's really great. I I hope you do find a Butterfinger somewhere along the way this week. I will be getting my Butterfingers. I can promise you that. (laughs) You
0: deserve it. And next week, we'll be talking about how and when you should give your kid a cell phone. I'll see you next week, Lisa. I'll see you next week. If you're looking for additional resources, check out Lisa's website at drlisademore.com. We'll see you next week.